Welcome to another inspirational message from the chapel. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information, check out our website, thechapelcollective.com.au. So 1 John chapter 2, verse 6 might come on the screen. <clears throat> says this, Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. It's pretty straightforward. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. And so I want to spend the few minutes that we have together talking about four ways to live a lot like Jesus did starting 20 minutes from now. So four ways to live a lot like Jesus did. And, and so if you're, you know, if you're new to church, if you're curious about God, if you're checking out church, I'm sure that even in, in, in your place, you're like, nobody wants to see a hypocritical Christian. Like, you, you understand, even if you've never really followed God, you understand that if someone is a follower of Jesus, you're hoping there's something about them that's appealing, that's attractive. Um, and if I am a follower of Jesus, obviously this little Bible verse speaks really clearly to us. If we say we live in God, we should live as Jesus did. And... So let's have a think about it. Here are three questions that might come up on the screen. Who would you say you live your life most like? You know, I heard Sarah speak and Sarah has a, I would say she has a rare and unique gift. It's a great gift. But there are times when Sarah's speaking when I can hear her dad. When Sarah rallies into a faith moment, I'm like, there it is. There it is. There's a David Skews influence on Sarah's life. And you, if you know them, you know that's true. And we're all influenced, aren't we? You're influenced by people. We're influ I'm influenced by people. Um, we're all a product of our environments. My nephew, Luke, is he here? He should be. Is he here? Someone text him if he's not here. Is he here? He's on holidays. Is he really? There you go. See, our staff go on holidays and I don't know. So Luke's on holidays. But if you come from my family and you play board games and things like that, Basically, everybody can cheat. My brother's here. He can verify it. Mickey's visiting. Can't we? If you're playing in my family, you can cheat. In fact, cheating is celebrated. When Lockie cheated me recently uh, to win a game, a board game, the whole room erupted. My family were here and everybody celebrated that Lockie had caught on to how the family works. We cheat and cheating is nearly as big a victory as the game itself. But if you remove my family and play with more than my family, to cheat is wrong. And if you're a Christian and you cheat, well, maybe you're not even going to heaven. And so it just depends. And we've all been trained that you cheat. Bronnie doesn't cheat. But if you're as good at Bron at things, you don't have to cheat. <laughs> if you're a Bonnell, cheating is our means to an end that ends in victory. We're all influenced by... So who, who would you say influenced your life most? Who are you most like? Who is that for you? When you think about what you're about, when you think about the things you go after, when you think about the priorities and rhythm and who influences your life. And as a believer in Jesus, who is that? You know, some Christians take their lead from other Christians who aren't living it that well. That would be a bad place to take your lead from. If I want to get fit, um, I remember a friend of mine years ago, he was a PT, but he wasn't in good shape, a personal trainer but he wasn't in good shape. I thought, great guy, knows his stuff, but it's hard for him to inspire people as a personal trainer because you expect your personal trainer to be in shape. So as a believer in Jesus, 
Why would I take my lead from someone whose life is all over the place? Now, I'm not having a crack at anybody. I'm just saying there's grace for people to walk after Jesus. But it's not where I want to get my lead from. So who do you get your lead from? Who would you say your life is most like? Who would you say are the major influences? And then this third question, where in your life do you live a lot like Jesus did? Where would that be for you? Um, can you identify it easily? Uh, in Gyra this morning, I was telling him that one of the things I love about my wife is that Bron is, for me, Bron is the, um, uh, she, she's not the embodiment of grace. That would be going too far. But she, she has a grace that she lives with that I have learned from for many years. I, I would have said that in my head I understood grace. I could quote the scriptures to you, uh, what the scriptures say some of the time. But, but really, from head to heart, I, I hadn't and haven't got there. But my wife, watching her over years, I feel like she embodies grace in a way that's in the ballpark of what Jesus is like. And so I get to learn from that. Where, where are you a lot like Jesus? Where would that be? Um, and so as we think about this tonight, the way Jesus lived, his priorities, the principles, the rhythm that he lived with, I want us to think about that for us. Because I don't know what your thoughts are on Jesus, but I think this is definitely true. When you take all of history and when you look at Jesus, not only were his, tree, uh, his uh, teachings and the way he lived revolutionary in the moment, you know, all philosophers' teachings get old and someone will build on them. But Jesus, his, his teachings are as final and complete now as they were in that day. They're as revolutionary in this moment as they were in the first century. We're still trying to catch up. We'll never catch up. And I love that Napoleon said, he said about Jesus' teachings and the way he lived, it's so revolutionary that they can't be of human origin. And it's this Jesus that the Bible speaks to us and says, hey, get your lead from him. Go after that. This is the best way to live. So let's have a look at it. As we look at this today, there are a whole bunch of ways you could take it. This, is an, this topic, you know, this heading, live as Jesus did. Oh, there's so many things you could say. But I want to take it from the context it was written in. In 1 John chapter 2, it talks about two things. In fact, the book of 1 John really only talks about two big themes. One is obey God and the other is how we love people. And, and it talks about a radical way of loving people, a, a very... Jesus-like, beyond the human way of thinking, way of loving people. And so I want to really talk to it in terms of that context because it, it talks about loving people in the verses around it and especially those who believe. Now, is it saying that we should love them more than people around us? No. What it means is we should give preference to one another uh, who believe as the people of God. So four ways to live a lot like Jesus that we can start living if we're not already in 20 minutes time. Actually, now 10 minutes and 35 seconds away, plus whatever's coming after that. Here's number one. Number one, pray a John 30, uh, 3.30 high-risk prayer. I want to ask you to join me this week in praying a John 3.30 high-risk prayer. Here's, the, here's what gets said by, the, uh, by John the Baptist in John 3.30. He must become greater and greater, and I must become less and less. Oh, it was on the screen. There I was singing, I was creating a tension-filled moment, and it was on the screen for you. John 3.30. He must become greater and greater, and I must become less and less. That's a risky prayer, like to, to sincerely pray, because God will honour that prayer. He'll, he'll turn up to that prayer and, 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 and 
highlight things in our life, go to work in, us, in our life, challenge us to step out into bold moves in our life. He must become more and I must become less. I want to live that kind of life. And so this week, here's what I, you know, I want to encourage you. I forget, I remember reading how many times the person, average person looks in the mirror each day. I forget, but the number's high, like super high. And, but I know this about most of us at least, you at least look in the mirror in the morning when you're getting ready, think I hope I can improve this before I leave and you look at it in the night and as you get older you start to go boy I'm ragged when I'm tired but whatever the case um, we, we tend to look in the mirror at least at those two times of day so when you do that this week I'd love you to pray a prayer look in the mirror look yourself in the eye pray a prayer to God and pray Lord I must increase that more and more you might increase. It would be a great way to start the day, great way to finish the day, really set us up to live a whole lot like Jesus lived. That's number one. Here's number two. Number two, leverage our influence for other people's good. Philippians chapter two, verses six to eight say this. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up the divine privileges he took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Can you, that God would come in the flesh, that God would turn up and live this way. And the Bible says Jesus gave up his place, gave up his privilege and came to earth. But then when he came, he used the platform that God gave him to influence for God's glory and for other people's good. Pretty well, that's the end of the story. And so in our lives, just thinking about that, leveraging our influence for other people's good. Jesus takes his platform and he uses it for the glory of God and the good of people. He never, he just determined that he wasn't going to use it and minimize it for himself. And don't you love, I love Christian people who do this. who just take their platform, whatever God's given them, take their influence and begin to leverage it for God's glory, really leverage it for people's good. Yes, we're blessed in it. Yes, there's benefits to it, all of that, but really they're just living for God's glory and people's good wherever they have influence. So, you know, you can all think of someone who lives that way. Does, do you guys know Sherry Smith? Who knows Sherry Smith? In a church that has disproportionately high number of redheads, Sherry Smith is one of them. Um, Sherry Smith's a mother of four, um, Started to think of, has anyone seen Gladiator? Started to think of Maximus where it says, husband to a dead wife. Anyway, you have to have seen the movie to know. Sorry, diversion. Um, we'll put that down to football injuries, head injuries, head knocks, etc. cetera. Um, Sherry Smith, Sherry Smith. So Sherry Smith's a mother of four. She works, she studies, her husband works, studies. I'm assuming they've got a mortgage because I've been to their home and they're not old enough probably to own that home yet. But, you know, she could go and tutor with a spare time. That would be perfectly reasonable, get a little bit off, extra off the home loan. But Sherry Smith, every week of her life, having four children, a job, studying, having a husband, a mortgage, all the rest that goes with it, every week across each um, term, Sherry runs courses for our church, for husbands, for wives, for families, for marriages, for children. That's what she does. And I just think, you know what, here's a woman with incredible skill, leveraging it for people's good, choosing to take that and go, you know what, I'm going to make a difference as it relates to their faith, as it relates to the strength of their families. I'm just going to do something about it with what I can and the influence I can bring. So, you know, think about your life. Where do you have influence? 
Where has God given you the ability to influence? Is it your job, your position? Is it your skill set? Uh, is, it, is it your wealth? You know, what, what is it? Thank God for people who have contributed over many years to these buildings and to all the things that God has done across our region, even to this point. Thank God for the people who have taken what God has given them and, al- and, and allowed them that they would take that and use it to influence uh, building his church, reaching people for Jesus, all that kind of thing. What has he given you? Are you currently indispensable in some way? Uh, who's relying on you? What's God given you? Where do you have influence? And here's a question that goes with it. Who currently is getting the advantage of that influence? Who's the main recipient? I think one of the um, challenges that COVID is going to bring to the church, uh, I mentioned it last week, I think it's accelerating where we're really at. And one of the accelerations is if my life is really about me, if it's mainly about me, it'll get accelerated. You know, I think of, I think of even something as simple as just attending church in the COVID period. We know that lots of people are coming back to church now, but we also know that some people aren't coming back the way they were. Some people will say things like, oh, I'm just going to do it online. And that's great. But it's about more than them. Church has never been, I don't come to church on Sunday because I necessarily need church um, you say well Darren you get paid and that's true but but even before we got paid like church is about me and you it's about what we bring to the table it's about the influence we can bring uh, for others and and you can't do that online you can be filled online you can be blessed online you can be personally built online and we're all for online we've got an online platform but the reality is as it relates to Jesus church there's something about you and I coming together because it's in the gathering that I can bless you and you can bless me and you can be built and I can be inspired and all that comes together from that so what are you doing with the influence you have number three number three I think this is powerful I think Jesus did this everywhere he went and it's in this passage of scripture. Just take a genuine interest in someone. Just taking a genuine interest in someone and, and I'd say that and I, if I could put something in brackets, I'd say someone who can give you back very little. Like it's easy for me to take a genuine interest in Sarah because of the gift she brings. There's, there's advantage for me in doing that. I'll be kind to Sarah and Sarah turns up bringing a gift to the table we as a church get an advantage out of that so I buy her a birthday present every year so we're going to buy her a car next year um, with the money that you contribute to the church not really they um but you know where, where's there, where there's no return I love that about believers love that the Christians sponsor people all around the world support churches that they'll never go to never visit never never get any advantage from I love that about Jesus church In Luke chapter 19, the Bible says this. Jesus is on his way walking through Jericho. It says, Then Jesus entered and walked through Jericho. There was a man there. His name was Zacchaeus or Zacchaeus, the head tax man and quite rich. He wanted desperately to see Jesus, but the crowd was in his way. He was a short man and couldn't see over the crowd. So he ran on. Clearly, Zacchaeus didn't write this. He would have been more flattering to himself. So he ran on ahead and climbed up in a sycamore tree so he could see Jesus when he came by. And when Jesus got to the tree, he looked up and said, Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus, hurry down. Today is my day to be the guest in your home. Zacchaeus scrambled out of the tree, hardly believing his good luck, delighted to take Jesus home with him. Everyone who saw the incident was indignant and grumped. What business does 
he have getting cosy with this crook? Zacchaeus just stood there, a little stunned. He stammered apologetically, Master, I give away half my income to the poor, and if I'm caught cheating, I pay four times the damages. Jesus said, today is salvation day in your home. Here he is, Zacchaeus, son of Abraham, for the Son of Man came to find and restore the lost. I love this. Jesus just takes a genuine interest in Zacchaeus, the most hated man potentially in all of Jericho. This guy was a tax collector. He was hated. He was maybe the most hated person in the whole city. But Jesus looks and he sees that someone up in a tree takes notice of him when everybody else is uninterested. In fact, they despise him. Jesus points him out and says, hey, what's going on? Let's talk. I'm coming to your house. Think about Mary Magdalene. We've kind of sanitized Mary. Mary the prostitute who became a follower of Jesus. So it doesn't sound so bad, but think about it this way. Mary the prostitute who slept with your husband. That's who Mary was. When Mary turned up into the crowd, there were men there that day who, uh, and women there that day. Wives might not have known it, but their husbands had paid to sleep with Mary. Can you imagine? And Jesus walks into the room and says, Mary, your sins are forgiven. Come follow me. Jesus was always looking across the room for someone. He always had an eye out for someone. He wasn't networking the room. He wasn't doing any of that. He was just looking. The Samaritan woman, we could go on. And the Bible says, those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. And so just taking a genuine interest in someone. So many opportunities. In fact, you don't even need to leave this building today to begin to make a difference on that front. Just to walk across the room. Just to take an interest in someone. To leave my bubble of safety. Walk across the room to that person who is standing on their own. You just never know what's going to happen. When we're going about our business, when we're going about our life, you just never know what's going to happen. Bible says, um, actually, that you don't even know if we entertain angels. Have you ever been doing something kind for someone you didn't know? And I've thought, imagine they're an angel. This could be a moment. Wouldn't that be exciting? I'll tell you what God gets more excited about than entertaining angels, entertaining humans, because that, that's, what he, that's what he cares about. And I wonder in our lives, just continuing to be that person, you know, and I talk about starting here because it can flow out of that in our lives. Just when you see someone across the room, a few years ago I was away at a wedding and, you know, the normal bubbles form at a wedding. That's just normal. You're catching up, old friends. And, and Brian and a good friend of mine were catching up with this certain person. I thought, ah, I'm going to do something else. And there was this old guy on the other side of the room. He is retired. And I thought, I'm just going to go be kind to him. He's on his own. So I wander across to the other side of the room, start talking to this guy. And it turned out this guy's name was Jim Wallace. He was the former head of the Australian Christian Lobby. He was the um, head of the Australian Defence Force. So, you know, I've landed well. I'm like, this is going to be leadership gold. And I learned things that day that to this day really guide the way I lead. Just a walk across the room conversation that was meant to be about him that ended up turning all out for me. And there's just things that happen when you walk across the room, when we take a genuine interest. And when God finds a people and a place he can trust, God will draw to it. He will every single time. My favourite story of this was a few years ago in our church. I don't think she's here tonight, but she would have been here probably today. There's a lady called Corinne. 
And Corinne was living on the Gold Coast and had grown up following God, had walked away from God, living on the Gold Coast, moved back to a town near here called Bingra. Many of you will know it. Wasn't going to church, wasn't following Jesus, but was really soft towards God. One night she decides to get in her car, drive to Tamworth and turns up at our church. All the way from Bingra in here. Would have been pretty nerve wracking, not in church for a lot of years. She gets to, in those days, we were just in this building. And uh, she gets to the gate here. The gate was closed and church had already started and she got too nervous. Started to walk back to a car. Anyway, the man who was on the door that night, even though the service had started, he, he wanders back out. He sees her and he yells out to her, hey, can I help you? So Corinne comes back. Man welcomes himself and she says, I know you. And she'd known this man, Jason Fawkes from, I think it was Jason Fawkes, from youth group days in another city, at another time, in another place. The one person she would have known in our whole church happened to be on the gate the night that Corinne moved from the Gold Coast back to Bingaroo, decided for some reason to drive an hour to Termworth, turn up on the night that he happened to be on the door. I don't know if I've seen him on the door of night church ever again, but he was there that night. And when God finds a people in a place that he can trust to take a genuine interest in somebody, God will draw people to that people. He will draw people to that place. Something can go on in that space. And when you and I become those kinds of people that would break out of our bubble or as we go to work, take time out for someone just across the room, someone who maybe, you know, feels forgotten and undervalued, um, just to make a difference in somebody's life. Take a genuine interest. Jesus, that's what he did. Um, There's these two thoughts that helped me in this. Um, the first one is one that my wife taught me, actually. I think it'll help you. When I'm in a conversation, um, she'll say, Darren, um, what did you learn about that person from that conversation? And so ever since I've asked that, because if I can walk away from the conversation and I don't know something more about them, I know that all I did was talk and not listen. And, 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 and people want to be heard. They want to be heard, and so just so I think that's a helpful tool with people. Just go, hey, what did I learn about that person from this conversation? I think that's incredibly helpful. And then the other thought is this. When we have a conversation, make more of the value to place on the other person than the big deal of whoever I am. You know what I mean, don't you? You know, we can um, get to the place where we, we just want people to know um, how impressive we are or how much we're struggling or whatever it is but just really aiming to leave a conversation. Yes, having shared our heart and all that kind of thing, but having placed real value on another person. Take a genuine interest in someone. That's number three. And then finally today, number four, Jesus lived with big love. And I think we should live with big love uh, in a world that's dominated by a small love culture. And what I mean is this. If you, a little while ago, maybe last year, a good friend of mine, she's like a lefty, um, full, full left, politically active person on the left of politics would have many views in opposition to, to mine. And uh, but a friend, and we love her, Brian and I both do. Anyway, I'd posted when Scott Morrison became the Prime Minister, I'd posted like the press had as well, and said, what a miracle that he won. And I think it was a good outcome for Australia. That's my personal view. Anyway, my friend... Um, responded to my post and said, oh, Darren, I thought more of you than that you would just follow the party line like every ACC pastor and put a post like this. And so I wrote back to her, which is not my habit, and said, hey, what about my history suggests to you that I'm playing a political line 
or trying to find the party line. This is what I truly believe. I think it's in the best interest of our nation. I said, actually, what I think the, the tragedy of this conversation is, is because I know she talks about love and how love wins. I said, the tragedy is that we talk about love and the moment that we disagree, love goes out the window. I said, oh, you know what? And I nearly said her name. I said, I believe in big love. I believe in love that can disagree and walk together. I believe in love that can have different views and still continue the conversation. I believe in love that says, you know what, you might believe one way and I believe in Jesus, but that shouldn't be the end of our friendship. We, our love should be bigger than that. I don't want to have tween love. I don't want to have pre-puberty love. Pre-puberty love is a love that can agree until we disagree. The moment we disagree, the moment you offend me, the moment something goes on, we're done here in any substantial way. Jesus lived with big love. When those he invested in for three years abandoned him in his moment of need, Jesus' response to that on the other side of the resurrection was to draw them close and to speak into their future and say, and upon this rock I will build my church and all of those kinds of things. Jesus lived with big love when he was abandoned and when they denied him. Imagine that, not only being abandoned but denied. Now we might not feel denied, but if you'd invested into someone for the last three years, and maybe you have, and they abandon you. What's your response to that? Small love or living like Jesus did? Big love. And, and when they abandon us, and not only abandon us, but what they did to Jesus, maybe deny us. And denial might look like they say something against us, despite all the good we've done. My youngest brother, Mick's here. I've done nothing but good to him across his whole life. I've never let him down a single time. And yet, there are moments when he gangs up with my other brothers against the oldest sibling in a way that's really abandonment and denial. But I forgive him because I'm big. I live with big love. And he'll grow into it one day, won't you, Mickey? One day. Big love. I reckon we want to live with big love in our lives. That's what Jesus did. And so let's be those kind of people. Let me wrap with this. Big love never gives up. Big love cares more for others than for self. Big love doesn't strut, doesn't have a swelled head. Big love isn't always me first. Big love doesn't keep a score of sins of others. Big love takes pleasure in the truth. Big love perseveres when others quit. Big love trusts God always. Big love is robust. Big love always looks for the best. Big love never looks back. Big love keeps going to the end. That's all from 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Uh, let's be the kind of people who are really just increasingly looking to live like Jesus lived. Pray that John 3.30 prayer, less of me, more of you. Leverage our influence for other people's good. Take a genuine interest in someone. And let's be the kind of people that live with big love in a world that thinks small love is all there is. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we're going to wrap. Why don't you stand with me? Uh, pray. And then coffee's on. Do what you like. Enjoy. And um, keep praying for, you know, the, the government around the COVID settings and all that's going on in that space. Remember to pray for Joe and Lisa Stace this week. Um, really appreciate that. And all right, let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, thank you, for, thank you for everybody in the room tonight. Lord, I know that in a room like this, Lord, of people who just want to live with you, uh, for you, sorry, heart and soul, they're everything in. So I pray all that's good from what we've said tonight. 
would go deep in us. Lord, let the rest just fall away. Let it become nothing. But that which is good, that which you'd have us live. Oh Lord, um, may you continue to inspire us to live day by day, increasingly like Jesus as we go about our life. I pray your strength to every person. Pray your power, Lord, um, uh, of your Holy Spirit on the inside of every one of us. And may you continue to lead and guide, keep and bless in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. All right. God bless you. Have a great Sunday night. Thanks for coming out. Hey again, thanks so much for joining us on this podcast. Whether you are new and exploring your faith or a follower of Jesus, there's a next step for you. There is always room to grow, more to be done, destiny to be pursued and people to be reached. So what's your next step? To find out, head over to thechapelcollective.com.au And thanks again for listening.